Welcome back in to the Ford Faction. On the phone right now, Alan Baris, survival expert, former Army sniper, fifth degree black belt. That is, I just sound scary saying that over yeah. on the on the yeah. mic. Thank you to them. So let's go ahead and waste mm-hmm. no time. Bring on Alan. Alan, what's going on, my man? Hey, thank you guys for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Oh yeah. Well, we hey, uh, Sam brought. Uh, you to my attention, I guess it was a couple days ago, and Sam was like, hey, man, we, we need to have this guy on the show. It was yesterday. He's a survival expert, and uh, and I thought, well, you know what? That's awesome. Especially, I get you. I bet you get a bunch of phone calls in a time like this as yeah. well. Um, and so when you saw what had happened, what, what was your, after, you know, you felt that, that kind of just agony of, of maybe you watched the videos, listened to the videos, whatever, um, and you, you saw what had happened, uh, what, what was just kind of your thought process breaking down uh, the film and, and, and kind of, cause you know, you're going to be the go-to guy once things like this happen. What, what was your thought process and kind of, kind of telling people, uh, how they should think about this? Well, probably the first thing was a sickening feeling that the way this shooting yesterday or Sunday night in Las Vegas happened, it eliminated a lot of what I teach people to do because of the circumstances. Yeah. And it took to explain that, you know, I teach people a three-prong model, escape, deny access, or attack back. Those are your options in an active shooter situation. With him being across the street up in a hotel, there was no way any of those people could attack back and, and stop the shooter, such as the custodian in Washington, the teacher in Illinois, the usher in Tennessee, three individuals that stopped active shooters in the last few weeks. There was no way anybody could do that in Las Vegas. So they eliminated one of the prongs. Well, it does create and, kind of that hairy situation where you are just a sitting duck in, a, in really an open field. Um, and so it's it's a very scary situation. Uh, but when somebody is shooting, what, what was it, 1,200 feet away? Was that the number uh, that I saw this morning? I think it was 1,200 or more feet away. Um, in an instant like that, what's your, what's your go-to, your instinct, uh, thing that, that you know that you would do in that situation? You, you're, you're really limited in your options. First option, you know, get off the X, get out of the kill zone. And the second option is looking, and you're doing this at the same time, is looking for cover, something that will stop bullets. Um, concealment where you can hide, that's good. He doesn't see you. Maybe he won't shoot, but cover that stops bullets and also conceals you is much better. And those are the only options those people had out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, And without much cover, it was run as fast as you can to get out of the kill zone. And that's one of the reasons that I really promote staying in good physical condition and keeping care of yourself, because the better in shape you are, the better you can deal with an emergency if it happens. Now, Alan, uh, thank you for coming on the show, by the way, but uh, I wanted to bring this one up to you. Not too long ago, I was working at a, uh, at a warehouse, and, uh, and we had a situation where we did have an active shooter uh, in the warehouse as well. Which was crazy. You called me about that, and I thought, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, it, uh, it was on the news. Uh, no one, no one was, uh, was hurt. There were no injuries, thankfully. But it all started off with a, uh, an argument between two workers where it was a female. She pulled out her gun and started shooting in the air. I was behind, however... I was operating a lift. I was behind a uh, a large stack of pallets, so I didn't see what was happening. My first instinct was to jump out of the. I was near a uh, a garage door. I jumped out the back, kind of the back of the warehouse, and and ran with about 
five other people. In that type of situation, what would be, was that the right thing to do? I kind of followed first instinct. I didn't really understand, really know. I've never been in that situation before. That is the right thing to do because, you know, you survived, you got away. Um, And if you can escape and get out of the kill zone, that is the ideal response. When I teach denying access, you know, that's like barricading a classroom or barricading an office so the shooter can't get in. That's because the avenue of escape wasn't there. And maybe you barricade the door and, you, and to give you time to then escape out a window. But if we can escape and get somewhere safe, that is the ideal and the best way to survive. Mm-hmm. Denying access is a secondary strategy if we can't escape. And attacking back that's when we don't have the escape or denying access options, and it's either, you know, die or attack back. And so we take them out and we stop them. Uh, and it, people have done that successfully. So, uh, and your three-point plan, it's, it's very, or your three-legged plan, or, or how did, how, what did you call it, sir? Well, it's sort of three-pronged, but it, I call it a triangle, because you, you have to do one of the three, and in the book and stuff, and in my presentations I show graphics you know with this triangle you have to do one of the three you're not necessarily going to be able to choose which one you do which one you do is going to be determined by where the shooter is and the situation you're in you know if, if you're in a classroom and he busts or an office and he busts through the door you're forced right into the attack back you can't even think about the other two yeah but there's all you're always when you're doing one you always remember the other two are options. When you're escaping, you run around a corner, you run into a second shooter. Now you're fighting, attacking back. If you're attacking back and you smash the guy's head with a fire extinguisher, now you're escaping and getting out of there. So right. you're always thinking of the other two even when you're doing one. That See, that's just stuff you don't think about in that moment. And so, uh, and, and you, of course, being a survival expert, um, I'm sure you would just have your head on the swivel at all times. Do you ever sit at, in a restaurant where your back is not to the wall? You know what I mean? Um, rarely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's awesome. Well, it says here you're an Army sniper. And so uh, how where, where in the world did that start? What, what was that like? Yeah, well, here's a gun. How far can you shoot kind of thing? Or, or was it just the most extensive of extensive training? You know, it was, you know, it was back in the 80s. I served in the 80s, so I, I wasn't in the war. So I did a lot of training. I did teaching at the 2nd ID Scout Sniper School as an assistant instructor, but I wasn't in a war situation. And it was a sniper, an Army sniper school run by the 2nd Infantry Division South Korea. And I was selected by my platoon sergeant and my company to go represent my company to go through the school and came back as a sniper-qualified individual for my company. Oh, my gosh. Now, Alan Barice joining us right now. Alan Barice on the phone lines with us. Uh, that is, that's pretty cool. So you went and you came back and now, now you are a, uh, you are a certified sniper. Are you just the best hunter of all time? I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's gotta be some perks to that, right? Yeah. I mean, although it's, you know, we used to shoot, you know, you had to shoot at 600 meters, uh, you know, three, four, five, and 600 meters to qualify and pass sniper school. Then we would practice on 800 and thousand meter targets. Oh my, that, that is so but, far away. It, it is, and, and usually you wouldn't all, you know, when I was using a 308, the M21 and the M24, uh, and usually you wouldn't always get a first-round hit on 800, 1,000 meters, and your spotter would call it, and you would get second and third-round hits. 
at 600 meters, you could get first-round hits consistently. And, and that's why those were the targets you had to graduate the school from. But here in Montana, if you can't get within 100 yards or less of a deer or an elk, you shouldn't be out in the woods. I mean, <laughs> i got to walk it through my backyard often. So. Oh, oh, so do you do a lot of elk hunting and deer hunting? I don't, and it's just it's sort of a time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up eating deer and elk. You know, my dad was an avid hunter when I was young, but now it's more of a time thing than anything else. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure you're traveling all all around and everything like that. And uh, with a fifth degree black belt, I'm sure you do a lot of schools and, and teachings and presentations. Uh, getting a fifth degree black belt, do you ever think, hey, I could take on Jackie Chan, or where's the mindset <laughs> on that? No, I, I don't think I'd want to take on him. <laughs> <laughs> him or gently i got a lot of i got a lot of respect for jackie chan even though he's getting older he's he's still a, you know a heck of a martial artist and a heck of an entertainer just, just a, a trained assassin now what about mma are you big on mma do, do those paths ever cross you know i know some guys that have, you know fought in minor stuff i don't know any of the real big names i and i i follow it a little bit but not a lot um i study hapkido which is a little bit more of a traditional art um and, you know, that's my main art where I've studied, learned in Korea, and I keep going back to Korea to train. Um, and so it's more of a traditional art with a self-defense emphasis. Oh, my. I have high respect for the MMA guys, though. They're highly conditioned athletes. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a younger man sport. You know, I'm, I'm 50 now, so I'm not going to get in the ring with these young guys. Oh, for hey, sure. And <laughs> you, you don't really know the, the kind of injury that these guys are going to sustain as well. We, we, haven't, we haven't seen, we haven't done that long-term MMA. How are these guys at 50, 60 mm-hmm. years old, you know? And that's true. And, and I've seen some guys, you know, I've worked security at the university um, for MMA fights and stuff. And, you know, I've seen some guys get some pretty nasty injuries that will probably bother them when they're older. Yeah, 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 I'm I'm sure Alan Burris on the phone with us. Uh, give us your three prong plan one more time, just just so our our listeners can can consume that one more time. We escape to safety, we deny access, or we attack back and take the shooter out. Now, Alan, I got a, a quick question. How do, I know you're in the army and you did this martial arts stuff, but how did you kind of develop this a uh, passion for for teaching? Uh, you know how to how to survive a shooting. Well, you know, I had been teaching martial arts and self-defense and safety classes, and after the Colorado movie theater shooting uh-huh, here in Aurora, right? I, you know, I made a little video on my YouTube channel saying, you know, this is sickening, it, it's, it's increasing, I want to do something about it. And I started researching, and then I also went to a Safari Land eight-hour um, active shooter response class, and and it was taught by some police officers that were certified by Safari Land here in Missoula. And then I was asked to, because of my background in teaching, I was asked to join them as part of the teaching team. And I became certified by Safari Land. And that team over the last three and a half, four years has taught over 4,000 people in Missoula. But the length of that class, eight hours, and needing a team, it's tough to take it on the road. Yeah. And I was getting requests to go places to teach, and that's why I devised the four-hour survive a shooting class that I can do by myself and take on the road and, and teach people. Yeah, it's always tough getting all the, the team and, and kind of your guys together. And so you've got a four-hour class, which you go over the, the three-prong rules that you laid out for us. 
Um, and, and that's awesome. How can we find your website? How can we find you? Surviveashooting.com tells all about the course and there's some different assessments and questions and tips and, and everything about you know surviving a shooting. And the book, when it's done, will be there too. That is super, super cool. So you've got really the survive a shooting kind of self-defense has gotten huge in the past couple of uh, in the past couple of years. I know just on social media alone, you, you've got kind of gun guys, survivalists, self-defense guys have, have just blown up on the on the Twitter and Instagrammer and stuff like that. It is. I mean, and it's it's sad, but you know, the statistics show the incidents are increasing, and the number of people being injured and killed been has increased i mean it was 49 last year with the orlando nightclub and now it's 59 you know here in las vegas it's just it keeps increasing and so i'm out there to try to help people know what to do to ease some of the fear and give them a plan so if something happens they won't be caught like you're in the headlights and they'll have a better chance of surviving and getting through it now, do you uh, do you advise your, I guess, your students not to go into places uh, in crowded areas, or, or that's just, or you know, or are you just like, hey, you, I know you're going to do this anyways, and that's okay to, to still live your life and not give into the fear of terrorism, but you know, be prepared if something were to happen. I mean, as a safety tip, I advise people, you know, not to go to like political rallies where people are want you know you know like the, the white supremacists and the uh, groups against them where they're going there intentionally for violence right guys people don't go there because we know it's going to get violent mm-hmm. concerts you know different things like that i don't i don't try to scare people say stay home and i want people to enjoy life safely absolutely you know, that's one of my mottos you know I, I want people to enjoy life safely if they do go to those things, I want them to be aware of what's going on. I want them to pay attention to where the exits are if they have to escape. And I want them just to enjoy life. We, we can't stay at home and, and hide in fear because of some of these things going on. Now, now, you personally, if you were to go to a concert, would you stand close to the exit? I would know where the exits were. I'd know the ways out. Yeah. It's not always the, and It's not always the way you came in. Most people, and I have an example in my book of a, a nightclub fire. It's one with a great white, if you remember that fire when it happened. Uh-huh. Almost everybody ran for the front door where they came in. It bottlenecked, and a right. bunch of people died. Right. There was a back kitchen door that only a handful of people knew about and mm. got out and lived. Mm-mm-mm. So I always pay attention to what are the other avenues out, not necessarily the main doors. Yeah, kind of the, the uncommon places that, that people people don't see. So I guess your years of experience, you can just kind of look in and eyeball it and and, and judge. Yeah, really pay attention to where your exit and escape routes are. It's like restaurants. There's always going to be an exit out the kitchen. You, know, you don't have to go out the front door. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. When you're at the mall, you don't have to go in the main exits. and you can. Every store in the mall has a, a door outside the back. Yeah, and and that's you know, they're something not used by people, but they're there. With, with me, I'll I'll straight jump through a window, right? I mean, unless it's <laughs> bulletproof, I'll, I'll throw something through the window and get out a window. You know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not just stuck on that that front door, that front entrance. Alan Baris on the phone with us. Alan, thanks so much for coming on. That that was awesome. I mean, that was just 15 minutes of, of just a meat sandwich of, of how to survive a shooting and, and kind of a look in a uh, in a, a trained assassin's eyes. Can we call you a trained assassin, or, or you just stick with mixed martial arts or 
the uh, the fifth degree just, black belt. I'll, I'll just I'll just stick with Alan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want you to be like the you know like the Taken guy, oh. <laughs> Liam Neeson from a, Taken, a rich man's Liam Neeson yeah. on the phone with us. Uh, that's right. and that's you know the, Alan. That's like the the really scary thing with that situation was even if you were there and you knew what to do and you'd been through these classes, you didn't know where that gunfire was coming from. And when you did figure out it was coming from above, you were just a rat running through a maze. You know. Yeah, I mean that that situation was about as almost as bad as you can get for the people, and it was about as good as you can get for an individual that wanted to kill a lot of people and didn't care about dying himself. Yeah, and, and that's why it was so meticulous as well. It was so uh, well thought through and, and had to have had months in planning uh, to go along with it, and, and that's what was really uh, that's what was really scary about the situation. Alan Burris on the phone with us. Alan, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us one more time how we can find your stuff. Surviveashooting.com. Lots of good stuff there for you. Thanks, Alan. You're the man. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Alan. You're listening to the Ford yeah, Faction Alan. live from the Caucus.com Heating and Air Studios, Alabama license number 11120. We'll be right back.